I think I do hear God singing. And I sense that he's smiling. And I believe that a million dreams are in a process of coming true, you know, because of the uh, reliance on God, because of the sacrifice, the prayers, the contribution of uh, just our North River spiritual family and combined with uh, brothers and sisters all over the world and obviously all over the Southeast, uh, it's making an impact for God. And it's just a privilege to be a, a part of it. Uh, welcome. You know, again, to our, our services here at North River, it's our 9 o'clock service. We'll be back here at 11 o'clock, and uh, it's a special uh, time of year, you know, for all of us. God has a special dream, you know, for us. We are in many ways a unique people, you know, chosen by God. We're, we're striving to order our lives after the Lordship of Jesus. We're, um, uh, we're, we're committed to the authority of the scriptures, and, and we believe in the biblical picture of the church and uh, intergenerational, racially diverse, you know, committed, submitted group of people that are doing their best to love God, to love people, and to really be able to change the world. We, we have a unique calling as, as Christians, and it's really always been that way. Here's this beautiful passage as, as Peter sums it up. And he, he kind of takes all of the, the great concepts of God's people and their identity through the years. We've been focused on it for the last couple of months as we've looked through Exodus as God is helping bring his people together to become a true community and people and leading them out of slavery, giving them deliverance, doing everything he possibly could and bringing them to the verge of the promised land and then into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua and Caleb, you know, and others. Uh, this, this month is, uh, is always a very special time of year here. You know, we've got our graduations. You'll be able to, um, to be able to see on the front page of our newsletter, our fifth graders graduated in the middle school last week, and they're pretty excited, and it was a happening time in the FLC, you know, next door. Lots of graduation parties taking place, transitions in campus as people are, are graduating and moving. Uh, Mother's Day is coming up. We got a little thing called Generosity Sunday next week, you know, coming up, and it's this unique kind of of time of year and, and, and a unique season. And so for the next few, uh, few weeks, we'll be having our, our services on Sunday morning and our sermons with a thematic sort of basis, a topical sort of basis. And we'll be taking back up in Exodus beginning in chapter 18 on June 3rd. We, we've got our campus training program coming here, and we'll have a special service with them here on May 20th and, of course, Mother's Day, Generosity Sunday, you know, et cetera. So what I really uh, thought I would do this morning, I want to take one of my favorite authors ever in the entire, uh, in the entire Bible, really, uh, Luke, who, uh, who wrote a couple of books. Uh, he was uh, the book named after him, the Gospel of Luke. 
The book of Acts is sort of a two-volume set, you know, as we see Jesus, and then as he, Jesus continues his ministry on through the church after he's, he's resurrected. And we know Luke was also a very close friend and traveling partner and disciple, a personal physician, you know, to the apostle Paul himself. He just had such a unique perspective, and particularly on our identity as God's people, you see what, what Peter who is, uh, is trying to help us as a New Testament church to embrace all of the, this connection we've got with God's people through the centuries. He, he says, we're a chosen people. That's really great, isn't it? We've been chosen, although like in the movie Fiddler on the Roof, sometimes you think about, God, we realize you're, we're, you're, you're, we're your chosen people, but couldn't you choose somebody else you know, every once in a while? Because there are those, those levels of responsibility you know, that come from being chosen. Okay, whether you're chosen in the first round of the NFL draft or if you're chosen as a disciple, there are some responsibilities and expectations that come along. But primarily, it's this tremendous thing. God chose me and God chose us. And we also are a royal priesthood. It's not only just unique people that kind of make that connection between God and people. He uses all of us. We're all able to make a bridge, you know, between God and, and, and man by our ministry and by the Holy Spirit living within us. And we're this set-apart people, a holy nation. We're unique. We're a peculiar people, as the Bible translates it, you know, sometimes. And we're God's own possession. We're in his family. That's what Kobe was talking about during communion. Thank you, Kobe Anderson. Beautiful. Focus on the grace of God. And here's where, how, how Peter puts it. He says, once you weren't even a people, once you hadn't received mercy, I mean, you were here on earth and you were taking up space and you were breathing and you were using resources and you were making your way through life, grabbing what you could, but that was about it. But however, you're now God's special possession in his family. You weren't a people at all and you hadn't received mercy or grace. Now we've received grace upon grace unmerited favor. God really likes you this morning. He loves you and he likes you, and you're part of his family. And you may be stinking up the joint, or you may be just like doing awesome. You're still chosen, set apart, a royal priesthood, God's own possession. And it is the grace of God that motivates everything we do. Wonderful to have all of us here this morning for whatever reason, you're here because a family member, you love them and you know it would mean a lot you know, to them for you to be here. Or you're a friend of, of, of somebody who said, hey, you, I want you to come along and experience some of my spiritual family. Or maybe you're just absolutely committed and you, you, you would never think about being anywhere else because you are a committed, dedicated, responsible disciple of Jesus Christ. But all of that pales in, in comparison to being motivated and captivated by the outlandish grace of God that he loves us so much, and that's where we're going for on a day-to-day -day basis for the love of Christ does what? Compels us and motivates us and moves us. And I hope you're making progress on that in your own spiritual life because it just opens up. 
Christianity in such a beautiful way that you can't experience in any other, uh, other way. Well, our identity, we've used different illustrations through it. And, it, and as we approach this month and as we think about the unique things we're experiencing, prayer change, generosity Sunday, graduations, equipping the next generation, we do understand that we have a role to be a light okay, and to provide some direction in the world, to be a lighthouse. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 5, and he lets us know to not put our light under a bushel, but put it on a stand and let the world see who we are and where we're coming from and and let our good deeds be seen, not so we can get congratulated or, or have God love us more or earn something, but so people can glorify God. When they see that we care for the needy, we care for the poor, we care about helping them get closer to God. That's the beauty of all of this. But, but what I want to do for the few minutes this morning is, is kind of think through, you know, if the Apostle Paul uh, were here with us, but particularly if, if, if Luke were here, and he was drawing on all that he knew about Jesus and all he knew about the disciples, and all he knew, some of the unique things that he includes in his gospel that are not included in Matthew, Mark, or John. What, what, what would be some of the, the themes that he might talk with us about as a North River you know, Church of Christ? Well, one of the things, of course, from his great book, the book of Acts, you know, that came to my mind is this, this wonderful powerful coming together in prayer of the early disciples when they faced a challenge. Hopefully that's what we do in our families and as a church when we face challenges, you know, as well. It says on their release, and we know that Peter and John were thrown in jail, and they were ultimately actually punished and flogged and and threatened in so many ways. But on their release, they went back to their own people and uh, they reported to the chief pri- what the chief priests and the elders had done to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together. Do you see it? In prayer. They just all got together and they got this prayer circle and they were praying. And it was so powerful, the Holy Spirit empowering them and moving through them. It says the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And then if you're following along in your Bible, you know, that's that passage where it talks about why do the nations rage and, and where we get the song prayer for boldness, you know, that, 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 that continues to ring, uh, you know, so true. But it's this, this powerful coming together in prayer when we face a challenge. And I got to believe that, that Luke would have thought with what we're in, involved in right now, the last couple of weeks, you know, last week and this week in our prayer chain, that he would, he would bring to mind times like this when the early disciples just got together and they prayed in such a powerful way. Last week, you remember what we talked about in Exodus chapter 17 with Moses, you know, lifting up his hands so God's people could be, be victorious. But he got tired, and his hands started to come down, and then the battle went in the other direction. And, and then Moses uh, was held up, his arms, his hands, by Aaron and her. And as long as their hands were up in the air and he was being held up, they won, right? They were victorious. 
And they called that place the Lord is my banner because hands were lifted up to God. It's this idea of we need each other. We're a people who need each other. We need to pray together and we need to work with each other and we need to, 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 to hold each other up before God. Jeff did such a great way, you know, in speaking, you know, about this. It's, a, it's another illustration, you know, that we've talked about in the past about uh, Paul in Philippians says, you know, hey, whatever happens, just be striving together with one heart and one mind. That's the goal in the New Testament church. So much so like in 1 Corinthians, it says, you know, I'm praying that you can be of one mind and one, and one heart. You know, really working together. I don't think any other place happens any more than in prayer. You remember this illustration of these guys, these draft horses? These big offensive linemen of horses, you know, in the animal world, they can pull 8,000 pounds on their own, and yet when they're teamed with another horse, another draft horse, they, they can't just pull double their weight, they can pull triple their weight and pull 24,000 pounds. When they work in such close tandem and unity, like you see this picture here where it looks like one horse, it's really two horses that have been so trained, that are so working together, that share a yoke, yoke together, that they can pull not 8,000, not 16,000, but four times the weight of one horse, 32,000 pounds. And so you see ridiculous pictures like this you know, throughout history. It's the power of unity, of working together, of training, and absolutely, it's the power of prayer. You know, I got, you guys, you, you know I'm going to talk about the prayer chain, okay? It just is going to happen, okay, every year because it's, uh, for me, it's not only something that is meaningful to me, it's actually something that I believe is essential for us. And not just in this month, they're not related to Generosity Sunday, but throughout the year, having various prayer chains in our small groups and in our communities. And, but, but the one that we do congregationally, at least over the last few years, for this two-week period of time, is a powerful, powerful time where every 30 minutes, you know, for most of the day, disciples have committed to pray together and to pray. We're not just praying about God, give us some amount of money. We do have a goal. But we're praying about God, help us to be your people and help us to be full of love and grace and take care of the needs of others and to pray about a lot of these specific smaller churches or the swamp or these other places in other countries that don't have as much as we do. And it, 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 it bonds us in together in such a great way. Yesterday, I had this great experience. It was a good day for me yesterday. Uh, I, I signed up with Zechariah Zanders, who's a unique brother in the campus ministry, you know, for a 1 p.m. prayer slot. Saturday is always, it's tough to get people. Saturday is, we always work hard to get people on that chain. When we signed up, we were the only ones there on Friday night. And then when we get ready to pray, we open up that prayer chain, and there, T. Reggie Coleman is on the prayer chain. Kendall Knight is on the prayer chain. And uh, another great brother is escaping my mind right now, or sister. And I, and we, I was thinking, well, I think that we, they must think we need some help. You know, we got a draft off of them, you know, to stay, you know, focused. It was such a good time praying together for all of us together. It just, uh, it means so much to me. Um, every Friday, every, every morning at 5 a.m., I don't know what you're going to be doing, but I always know where Gary Adams is going to be at 5.30 in the morning 
on the chain gang, okay? That's where he's going to be. Now, except on Sunday mornings, he sleeps late and starts at 6 because, you know, he's ushering. So thank you, Gary. But this morning, Pam Whitney at 5.30 in the morning, Mike Brown at 5.30 in the morning, you know, Brian Hawkins at 5.30 in the morning, and usually that 5.30 morning is also populated. Ray Rowan will be there. Dennis Pickens will be there. You know, it's, uh, uh, it's just it's amazing. Okay, and then prayer warriors like the Atlos are there all over the time, especially in those late night hours where some of us, you know, are sleeping. It's just, it's so meaningful to see, and I love to see when new people who I haven't seen on the chain, because I check it multiple, multiple times a day and dip in and pray along with you. I, I love to see when some, when some of our new to North River people are our new disciples, are people who, who may have been praying along, but they just haven't appeared their name on the you know on the chain and to see they're getting to experience that same thing as well i sent a text to john dakota uh, yesterday thanking him for being on the prayer chain at 4 p.m and he texted me back yeah i'm at the airport with pam and we're ready to get on a flight and so they were they're stuck away in a corner of the airport praying from 4 to 4 30 you know for all of us it's just amazing and i know i had some people praying for me because as soon as i got home you know yesterday as soon as I got home, I opened up my mail, okay? And what happened is what I'm praying for so many of you, you know, not only this month but throughout the year, I had a check that I had no idea was coming. It's like 150 bucks. I had no idea that it was coming. And I went, this is awesome. You know, unfortunately, I have a... I have a, a physical side and a side that likes to spend money, you know, and get stuff for myself. And I started immediately going, oh, this is going to be great. I'll be able to X, Y, Z. And then I thought, this is crazy. I've been on the prayer chain. <laughs> Pray for everybody and be blessed. And I come home, there's 150 bucks. I got to add this to the total. So, hey, we're $150 closer to our goal, you know. And a lot of that is, 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 is for your prayers, you know. The, 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 thing, the thing is really important, I think, for all of us. And all of these things is, we're, is our goal is to be able to raise these funds. To remember, just like this passage, there was, there was a, a togetherness and a community in the early Christians when they made Jesus Lord that we've experienced many times through the years in our life and hopefully we're experiencing it right now. You know, where this idea is, is everybody shared things, you know, together. They, they were constantly talking about Jesus and the power of the resurrection. There weren't really any needy people because the church, we took care of our own, okay? And we looked after each other when they were struggling and spiritually, physically, and otherwise. And from time to time, there were these dramatic things that actually some people who had been terrifically blessed by God would, would sell big pieces of property or when they sold the house, they'd give proceeds or a, a parcel of land when they were, where there were special needs. But the whole idea that it was they were doing this together. Yeah, we do have a goal. We've got a theme, a million dreams, and we have something we're praying about and we're working hard to be able to give to. And yes, we talk about it a lot. It has very specific recipients. Sometimes we call it a missions contribution because the focus of it really is on missions and outreach internationally in southeast and around, you know, Atlanta, you know, as, uh, as well. 
for the Atlanta sister churches. We help support some of our Atlanta sister churches and some of their, you know, times together. Our elders are getting together for lunch with the Bridgepoint elders right after church at our second service. Uh, Kendall Knight and I spoke to the Bridgepoint men, the husbands, yesterday, you know, and having to be thoroughly equipped in your, your marriage. I was able to get with uh, uh, Kendrick Howard, the evangelist in Athens, and we were uh, on Thursday and talking about planning, doing more and more things together. You'll see in your newsletter a young uh, uh, woman was baptized whose parents are uh, in, in the Gwinnett Church. We get a lot of stuff that's happening. We have a brotherhood. It's around Atlanta. It's around the southeast. It's around the world. And we take these times to be able to, to give. And then we send off planes off the USS North River. We send them on off, whether it's for a month or, you know, for a summer or for indefinitely, in the case of the McGurks and the, the, um, the Kendall and McKenzie and the Cruises and the Ivies, et cetera, you know, et cetera. Here's what I just want to say um, as, we're, as I kind of share my heart with you. We really don't want, and I say we, elders, evangelists, and all the mature disciples here, for anybody in our church to feel compelled to, to give in any way. This just needs to be from your heart, Amen. cheerfully, because you're, you're not only grateful for the grace of God, you just you see needs and want to give to it. You know? And I, I just want to tell you, because I talk about this more than anybody else, you know, let me apologize, whether for me or anybody else, if we come on sometimes off, like a little too much on it. You know, you know, on that. It's certainly not intentional, you know, uh, and it's not because we've heard a bunch of complaints. But I just want you to know that, that we want it to be something that is from your heart. And so that we can grow spiritually together. And our children can grow spiritually. And our middle school kids and our elementary school kids can grow spiritually. And we can just become more like Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was, you remember? Though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes so we could become rich in the very next verse. So just as you excel in everything, excel also in this grace of giving. I, I was thinking about this as we get ready to um, you know, close. I'm going to actually go back here. L Luke uh, records, he's, it's really interesting. He records some things in the scriptures that, that, that are not recorded by some of the other writers. We know, we know uh, Acts, he's writing that, and we see this dramatic case of what was illustrated by the verses before where this guy Joseph, he just has some property, he sells it and puts it at the leader's feet and says, hey, just use it however you want to use it. And he, he became known as Barnabas, a son of encouragement. Because he, that's how he started off, but he also traveled around and encouraged so many of the other churches. But that, that's inspiring, and it's always inspiring when people are able to, 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 to do something big and dramatic or give a lot of money or make a great sacrifice. But the thing that Luke records, he records some interesting things. Uh, if you'll remember, he has an interesting take on money, actually, because he includes a couple of parables like the rich man and Lazarus. You remember that? You know, and also, you know, he records the, um, you know, several said, with, with Zacchaeus, his situation, you know, there. He taught, you know, there's several things that are that, that he adds that have a, have a, the other gospel writers don't, don't add. But he, this is maybe the most endearing. 
And uh, he, he just he helps, helps us remember. He said, there this time they were taking up their, their contribution. And this, this woman came, and she, 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 she was very poor. And um, the regular church members, I guess, would be viewed as, you know, having some wealth or riches. She didn't have much. Just had a couple of little coins. And she put it in, and Jesus lifts her up as an example throughout all of time and memorial. He says, you know, this poor widow actually has put in more than all the rest of us because she gave out of her poverty. She had all she had to live on. It's pretty inspiring, isn't it? And it was obviously, nobody said she had to do it. She just, she just was moved to be able to do it. Sometimes when you have little, it's easier to give it than when you have a lot. It's the way it works out, you know, sometimes. I, I think and reflect over my life. Kelly and I, we, we've made some sacrifices for these special contributions, you know, through the years, a uh, couple of times in a dramatic way. Um, we're going to make, a, as we try to, make a very sizable contribution this year. We try to always give 20 times what our normal weekly contribution is. But I got to tell you, it will not change our lifestyle at all. It will restrict us on some things we would like to maybe do, you know, vacation kind of categories or purchases or savings for retirement. It will affect, but it, it won't affect in any way our lifestyle. And it's inspiring to think about those who just out of an incredible response to God's grace, not just give money, but give time and talent and emotional energy, you know, to God's kingdom. Sometimes when it seems they have very little like the Macedonians to be able to give you know, them, uh, you know, themselves. The, um, I'm, got, I'm just going to end with this, um, with this story. I'm not able to advance my slides, so um, if you can do it upstairs, that would be great. You know, if not, I'm going uh, to tell you about one other uh, thing that, that Luke includes. I can, uh, I, can, I can just picture Luke, who uh, accompanied Paul, having conversations, and you know Luke would tell, because he did great research into this, and he would tell stories, and he would talk about sayings of Jesus that weren't even in Mark or, or Matthew at the time. John probably hadn't been written yet. And he would recall these things. And I like to think that, that Paul, you know, had, uh, we, we would say, Luke, tell me, tell me again about that, that, that thing about the press shaken together type thing. Because Paul loved to be able to say, as he does in 1 Corinthians, you know, that the measure you use will be measured, you know, and if you, if you reap so sparingly, you reap sparingly. And it, it just echoes this uh, saying of Jesus that uh, the other guys didn't record, given it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. I want to put this, this up here. Steve Atkins uh, went to MIT. He, uh, he graduated there, and then shortly after joined a church planting that went out from Boston to Johannesburg, South Africa. This was 1986. It was still full-on in apartheid at that time. The church there became the first, you know, interracial, you know, fellowship in any kind of Christian, you know, sense. And it was a very, uh, very powerful time. Steve is actually in Ghana this morning. He's been there for the last week as part of our Generosity Sunday, 
you know, um, you know, support and helping out along with nine other brothers from around Africa and the U.S. to help the church in, in Ghana get a brand new fresh start. He obviously has a heart for Africa. He was a part of that missions team. He's a founding member of our church here, one of our deacons, and, and many of us know Steve, you know, uh, really well. What you don't, what you may not know is that years ago in 1995, he was back in the States. He'd married Susan. And they were, they were here, and they were trying, as many young couples do, to, uh, to have kids, but they, they weren't successful. And so they tried the in vitro fertil, you know, fertilization you know, method. They, uh, they, they tried a couple of times and failed. And some of you maybe have had that experience and know that, that that's really challenging. They, um, they didn't have any insurance uh, to cover this kind of thing, so they used one of their two incomes at that time to fund these uh, these treatments, they didn't work, and it was, it was definitely disappointing, you know, uh, to them, but they saw God in this, that God was pointing them toward adoption. So a few months later, there was a, uh, a special contribution, and they decided to give the $5,000 they had saved uh, toward the adoption, uh, because it could take three to five years to be able to adopt. Steve and Susan recall that a week later, a family member out of the, out of the you know, unexpectedly came forward and just gave them $5,000, the exact amount, you know, um, to, to help them adopt. And Stephen and, and Susan recall, they just felt like God had, had given them their, their money just right back to them. Here's the crazy thing. After that happened, four days later, they got a call from their adoption agency that they'd been chosen to be birth mother, uh, by the birth mother to be parents. And so on July 3rd, 1996, they became the proud parents of Mary Alice Atkins. We had an amazing experience a couple of weeks ago, and if, if this next slide will continue, because that's Mary Alice hugging her sister Christine, who also is a little bit of an amazing miracle study, a story, according, you know, and also Paul you know, Atkins, and here they are being united in Christ. And I think if you ask Steve or Susan, you know, how's it working out? They would just go, God is awesome. <laughs> I don't know if things like that are a miracle or not, but I do know the hand of God is present in all of our lives. And I do know that when we give, it's given back to us in so many ways. However we choose to make those individual decisions in our, own, in our own lives. You know, because each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Hey, let's just keep letting God work on our hearts and band together more than ever before as we, prompted by God's grace, to love God, to love people, and to change you know, uh, change the world. Uh, Jeff's going to come up now. He's going to do our announcements. We're going to have a closing song. And let's enjoy encouraging one another and hop on that prayer chain if you haven't so far. Okay, and we'll keep, uh, keep uh, God moving forward.